So here's the question. When the rules we've been operating by have burnt us out and the hamster wheel is keeping us awake at night and stuck, how do we, as expert entrepreneurs who want to make significant impact but just can't take on one more thing, grow our businesses and teams, double our revenue while working less? That's the question. This is the Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, and today I'm really excited to have Karen Chaston on our podcast. Obviously, one of the big parts of any business habitat that we have is people. And, you know, as we move forward, there's got to be a lot more space for people to be human within businesses. And I think what Karen brings to the table is so important. Karen is known for, it's, she's a coach that specializes in loss, but also connecting this into the business and into your profits. So she's known as a beyond loss expert, and she certainly has firsthand in it. But what's super intriguing for me is Karen's background is very similar to all of ours in that she is um, was a CFO of a major corporate for about 25 years, and she brings that business background into loss. And unfortunately, she lost her son at 27 very suddenly, and that sort of really got for her to no loss and the importance of that in our everyday. And Karen certainly for one has helped me in my journey of loss, but also how, you know, we can work with this in our business and have space for this in our business and how powerful that is actually for our business and the people within. Anyhow, it's a really interesting conversation with a fellow accountant around a very tough, but important topic. So enjoy the interview. And as always, be brave and continue the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host. I am super excited to have Karen Chaston here today. Now, Karen is, well, somewhat amazing, but for all you um, accountants out there, she's also previously been a CPA and a CFO, but now works with team alignment, particularly deep diving into loss and into the individual leaders as well. So she's got a really interesting journey and a corporate background. So welcome, Karen. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, how you came here today? Thank you, Sam, for having me. Um, it's really great to be here. It's funny how life takes us on a journey, isn't it? We think we're going to be one person for the rest of our life and then we get thrown a couple of curveballs, balls, I should say, and before we know it, we are off on another path. So back in 2011, I was a CPA. Um, I've only just given up my CPA status. And I was a CFO of a publicly listed company. And anyone looking at me would have gone, look how successful Karen is. She's got that great job. She's, um, you know, got the house, the car, the kids, the family, yada, 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 all those overseas trips, all that sort of thing. But to be quite honest, I was dying inside. I, I had this little drum inside of me that was literally going, when are you going to start loving your life? When are you going to start loving your life? When are you going to start loving your life? And I would just sort of push it down you know, through 
many of my avoidance tactics, you know, food, alcohol, working too much, shopping too much, all those sort of things. And then on the 10th of July, 2011, my husband and I woke thinking we were going to have a lazy Sunday at home. But within moments, I was running out the back door, looking at my beautiful 27-year-old son, Dan, lying there in the fetal position, literally at the back door. And we thought he had passed out. Um, unfortunately, when the paramedics arrived about five minutes later, they said, I'm sorry, madam, he is dead and probably has been for several hours. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Exactly. And, you know, he was, he was my baby, um, my baby by a minute. He um, is a twin and an older brother and a half older sister. And, um, you know, and, and what do you do? Like, you know, we thought a healthy 27-year-old had gone out the night before. At the autopsy the next day, they told us that his lungs were so bad that if he had smoked for long for 10, 15 years, which he hadn't, he was only a social smoker, he couldn't have, a, he couldn't have done a quarter of the damage of what was there in the, um, to the lungs. So who knows? He'd been in Scotland a couple of years previously, spent a week in hospital yeah. with pneumonia, could have been that. Not 100% sure, on what, but he had drunk way too much on that night. But that's, you know, typical 27-year-old. So but what did I do? So day after his funeral, straight back to work, eating more, drinking more, working even harder. And because that's what you're told to yeah, do. Tough enough. Just, you know, keep busy. Yeah, keep busy, give it time, everything will be all right. Yeah, a tablespoon of cement was a big one in the business that I ran. So it's just like, seriously, but now. I know. And so that's. So about 15 months later, the company I was working with, we, we were a pub group. We had 35 leaseholds and 20 of our leaseholds were owned by one company. And Goldman Sachs had come um, to Australia because Australia healed quite quickly after the GFC compared to America. So they were looking for industries to invest in that apart from their debt would be really quite profitable. And that was us. You know, we bought most of our pubs in 2007, just before the smoking laws changed, all those sort of things. So they came in and the idea was to merge the two companies um, to bring the leaseholds and the freeholds back together. And in that process, they said to me, Karen, you're not going to be CFO in the new company, but we want you to come with us. We want you to be doing everything you're doing now, plus more. We just love you. <laughs> but not a CFO. <laughs> yeah, but not a CFO. And, but it was, and you know, in hindsight, um, a lot of it was because of my sex and I know that and no matter what they say, it, you know, there was a lot of, um, yeah, anyway, um, which was fine, but I knew that, you know, and they gave me my contract and, and initially I was like, yeah, who cares what my title is? You know, I love my job. And then they gave me my contract, which was the best thing they ever did for me, Sam, because the contract was for two thirds of what my current salary was at the time. And after being really angry for about 48 hours, I started to wake up. What I call, I started to come out of my Groundhog Day days. I started to realise, just look at yourself. You're not healthy. You're sure you're on a great salary, but you're wasting most of it just to get through the day. Your relationships aren't that great. You know, you really do require a whole lot of love, um, especially for yourself. So I, and I, you know, just checked it out chose redundancy and never looked back. 
which was the best thing that I ever did. And, and they really do did give me a gift. And, you know, I've seen my former boss a couple of times and he's still like, oh, I didn't fight you. I'm going, no, 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 you did exactly what you were meant to be doing. And, and, it's, and that's when I knew that I was going to be doing something different, but I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And then I very quickly became a life coach. Initially, I thought I was going to help women to be women and stay women in the corporate world, but that one just got way too hard. And then the more I deep dived into myself and into other people, I really started to realise that there was, we don't understand loss. We, we most of us think loss is death of a loved one and that's about it. But there's over 40 different loss events that can affect all of our lives. And which means we're all going to have multiple mm -hmm. major yes. losses throughout our lives. You know, the major ones are death of a loved one, a divorce, separation, job loss, your health, your wealth, your pet. Or during the recent pandemic, many of the minor ones came to the forefront. Loss of freedom, choice, status, identity, changing work conditions, recreational and social activities. So the more I deep dived into it and the more I created my more loving way to do loss as opposed to the really hard way which sees us in avoidance, suffering in silence, having it affect all areas of our lives, especially our relationships and our professional life, I really started to go, wow, imagine if I understood this when I was in my corporate life. Like not only would have I been looking after myself, I would have also been looking after my team. I would have understood them more. I wouldn't have micromanaged them the way I did. I wouldn't have told them that my way is the only way and the best way to do things because that's total BS. Um, you know, we live in a world of infinite possibilities. So why is my way the only right way to do anything? So that's when the more I deep dived into it, the more I went, this is the pro these programs, this understanding about loss, because let's face it, most of us have a lack of loss intelligence. I love that lack of loss intelligence. Let's drill down on that. What does that mean? Tell us more. Yeah, well, so it means most of us don't know what to do. Most of us have no idea what to say. We don't want to think about it. We always feel it's going to happen to someone else. It's never going to happen to me. And because of our lack of loss intelligence, when it does happen to you, and it will happen to you in some form, we don't know what to do. So we go to our avoidance tactics. So what are some avoidance tactics? Food, alcohol, drugs, working too much, eating too much, uh, drinking too much. But more importantly, um, we start to get into Netflix. We start to get into isolation. One of the major ones is anger. Yeah. It's really quite interesting how anger, people go to anger to deflect others. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Don't stop bringing it up. If I get angry at you, you'll back down and I can keep doing what I'm doing. Shopping too much. We even call it retail therapy. You know, exercise. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean by avoidance. And most of us are living our life in avoidance. There is something that has happened in your life that you keep burying down, down, down. And unfortunately, it is going to come up and probably at the most inopportune moment, it will surface and it will come out. And because we don't know what to do or say or how to move forward or how to even deep dive into ourselves, that's where we get stuck. 
And that's why we are in the world that we're in at the moment because most of us have been in avoidance for, you know, it's the lifestyle we've been living of excess. Yeah, well, I think that that is so true, particularly at the moment. I think our whole community, our micro community around us, but then, you know, we're sitting in Australia at the moment, folks. Karen is actually from Australia, actually doesn't live far from me. We've just gone through an election, plenty of loss to deal with there, but we won't get into that today. But And then our loss of freedom with COVID, the loss of the climate. We are having amazing weather events right now just in Australia and there's a massive amount going on. So lots of stuff that go on even around that and with no tools to actually do that. And I've never thought about it from a loss slant at all because I've worked a lot in the I used to always say, well, nothing big's happened to me. Like, why am I like this? When I had a similar event happen that you did from the leaving the corporate, that was slightly different from me. I actually woke up one day and went, oh, my God, I'm going to literally die if I stay here. So I, I shifted out not really knowing why. And you had a trigger, obviously, with someone just treating you, you know, like crap and you finally waking up and going, this is not good enough. And then the loss of all of that and then the, the trauma is small amounts of, would you agree, small amounts of loss constantly. And, yeah, the small sort of, I call it small T, but I think it's the same result, isn't it? That And we don't, for me, what I'm hearing there is we also don't really understand. I mean, we, when we work with teams as well on change, there's loss intelligence that needs to be done there as well because they are actually losing stuff at that point too. So it's just, yeah, I haven't ever thought of it in this frame perhaps in slightly different frames is there a difference between what they call the trauma work and the loss work or is it similar there's the same thing happen with loss use that there's 40 types you know usually someone would think of it as a death or something yeah totally and they think that's the ma- the major one but every single person I've worked with and you know whatever reason they've come to me and the main ones are obviously loss of a loved one divorce separation or a job loss Every time we've done the process, we've always come to the biggest loss in their life is their loss of identity. Oh, boom, yes. Yeah. Mic drop there, people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but we do. We lose who, who we are. You know, when I left my corporate life, I looked in the mirror and I went, I don't even know who you are. Mm, I don't even really like you. You like your, and I was, I was always angry. And I was always, you know, I knew everything. No one could tell me anything. And it was just so total a defense mechanism of me trying to protect myself. But the more that I deep dived into me and the more I really did actually start to love who I am and and really come to a place where I go, you know, everything that has happened in my life has brought me to who I am today. And I am grateful that I did have enough sense to choose redundancy because I know if I stayed there, it would have eaten me from the inside out and I probably would have gone out through an illness. And I just know that Dan's passing was meant to have been my wake-up call. So, you know, then they threw redundancy at me and I'm sure I would have been thrown an illness or something else in order for me to wake up and to be doing what I'm doing now. But every single one of us, when we will come to a time in our life where we are going to stop looking outside and start to look within because that's where our true answers are. 
And that's where we're going to find our true satisfaction. Because when you start to realise that all of this stuff, which is meant to bring me joy, is giving me like 15 seconds of joy as opposed to 15 months or 15 years before, you start to really go, there has to be more to it. There has to be more. There has to be a reason why I'm here. There has to be more to just getting up and going to work and not really loving my job and being unfulfilled. This episode is brought to you by The Aligned Leader, a six-week program built to combat the leadership fatigue syndrome so you can grow your business without the overwhelm. I think that's so important. And you, you talked about the physical, the physicality. I heard on a podcast and I'll put it in the notes because I can't remember quite off the top of my head that in America, because a lot of these stats are obviously American because we don't, we're not big enough, but 63% of people in America at the moment aren't just mentally ill, they're physically ill. And that to me is just, you know, I'm going through a lot with my family at the moment and my brother and sister also having health issues and I just went, hang on, I'm really healthy. I'm I'm healthier now at 51 than I was at 40. At 40, I was a walking time bomb, a complete walking time bomb. I was overweight, alcoholic, and all of that sort of stuff and everything you sense. Now, I'm sure that when I looked in the mirror at that point, I thought I was doing everything that I should, um, nothing that I really wanted, but I thought that's what I wanted. So, you know, really getting into that that deep thing. and we really need to stop and say, well, obviously advances in medicine is not helping us. Yes, we'll probably keep more of us alive. Otherwise, more of us would be dropping dead. I have lost three people in my network, men, um, between the ages of 50 and 53, last, at the end of last year, two for physical illness, one for mental. Just two of them dropped dead like that. And the other one, unfortunately, you know, had mental illness. And these stats are huge. And then not only that, the presenteeism that's going on as well is that people are just, as you said, knocking through because that's what we do. And there's got to be a shift. And I think what you said, and we find very important here in our line leader, is that we have to start where it all begins and stops. And, and, and it's an internal work. And I can tell you, it's the hardest work you'll ever do, but it's the most effective. It's the most efficient it's the most uncomfortable <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff but it's also the most rewarding and it is the most rewarding because you do yeah and you continue to do it it is it is and I think that the thing is too it, it is not I'd hit this milestone I did this it does tend to take on its own life and journey but when shit hits the fan and it does because that's what life does you have a tool and a system to actually work through the processes, which I'm thinking is what you're leading to as well. And the resources that we've got, the education that we have as very, both of us came through the university system and, and you came through CPA, came through CA. None of this is taught. No. Not one aspect. If we Now I think they teach leadership, but it's leaderships of others. So if you ask someone about leadership in my, in, in my area, go, tell me about leadership. And they'll go, Oh, I've got to lead the team better. I've got to lead the business better. I've got to lead my clients better. And it's like you can't lead anyone unless you can lead yourself. And there's no education around this. I mean, there is. Obviously, there's people like yourself and myself and a whole tranche of others. I mean, how can we change this? 
Yeah, it's not seen as essential. And and the funny thing is that, you know, when you when you start to look after yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, you start to take on a different a different essence about yourself because you start to really value others. And most people we think that when you put yourself first, you're being selfish. But when you start to really um, walk through life, with it's like you have a, a different sort of knowing. It's like, oh, no, you know, if the more I look after me, the more I can look after others and the more I can inspire others. And I, and I saw a, a little saying that a world-class leader is a person who inspires others to look after themselves. Like that's a world-class leader. It's not someone who brings them along with them and, and trains them and does, does all those sort of things. It's about inspiring others to be their best friend. You know, like I, it took me a long time. My first book, which I wrote in 2014, was called A Journey to Becoming My Own Best Friend. And I had to take that journey and I feel we all will take that journey because we were, you know, I'm, I'm older than you. I think I'm about 15 months or 15 years older than you. And and I am, you know, was brought up in that era that, you know, you got to put everyone else first. You know, you put yourself last and all these sort of things. But you do come to depletion. And not only that, you come to a stage where you sort of think, why? Like, like why? Why am I doing this? Why aren't I loving life? And and the funny thing is that the more you deep dive into yourself, you you understand that our first derivative is to is to survive, but our second is to thrive. And most of us don't get past the survival into that thriving stage. And a lot of us think that the more money, the more this is this is how you thrive, but it's not. It's about realising that, you know, I'm waking up today and I'm actually doing everything that I'm about to do I'm really excited about and I know that I'm I'm going to make a difference in the world and I know that what I'm going to do is I'm going to love what I'm doing and I'm doing something, probably about three or four different things in the day. And it's, it is about understanding that as leaders, when we understand loss, right, we start to understand our people on a no like and trust basis. We deep dive into them. It's not a therapy session. It's nothing like a therapy session, but it's about you then being able to ask people, how are you, and want to hear the answer, as opposed to it's just a flippin' good morning, how are you, and I keep walking as I say that. I don't even stop. Because when we understand our people, and we really back them and we know who they are and we know their family. We know what they're going through and how they're thriving at, in life at the moment. They start to go above and beyond. Unbelievably so. And that's not your motive for doing it. But what it is, is they then take on this extra energy of you. I matter to you. So you're going to matter to me. And this company is going to matter to me. Because the more that we are in it together, the more that we can really create everything that we all want. Yeah, absolutely. And the more for the, I don't call, I've yet to find this word, but for the people who own the business, who are looked at to be the leaders, 
everybody, as you said, is a leader within. If you've got a group of people who really want to lead, and as you said, world-class leaders, I love that. World-class leaders that get people to inspire and then they inspire others and they inspire others. It's, it becomes a habitat or a community as opposed to, and you know, one of the reasons we're also fatigued as owners and, and there's this disconnect between the owners and the people. And, you know, I wrote whole courses on it before I actually, the, the thing in my advisory business, I mean, the accounting firm used to be don't compromise your business goals for your personal ones, but that was still separate. Um, but it's not, it's like, what is your overarching vision for your life? Yes. And what are the aspects of it and how do they all mesh together? Because we're one person. We can't be the sportsman, be the business person, and then be the home person. It's the same person. Exactly. (laughs) And we probably wear 10 different hats in one day, but you're right. We take all of us wherever we go, and it is so true. And we take our losses with us and everything with us, and you cannot click them off, and you shouldn't because... That's when they become well, you dangerous. Can, you can heal your losses and you don't have to keep dragging them along and being weighed down by them, which is the beautiful thing about it. You know, and so many people, the cliches of our world of, you know, oh, you'll never get over that or you'll never be the same and all those sort of things. And sure, but maybe you're not meant to be, but maybe you're not meant to be the same. Maybe it's that pivotal moment in your life where you actually do that deep dive inside of you and you say, right, where am I at? Where am I going? And what are the things I want to bring with me? And what are the things I want to leave behind? And what are the things I want to start doing so that I can end up where I want to be? Because if I keep living the way I'm living now, I'm not going to reach that that point. That dream or that aspiration is probably not going to be achieved. So it is about us, you know, the first step in my, and I call it the gift of loss. And before anyone gets upset, um, the reason why I call it the gift of loss is not because of the tragic event that has happened. Like there was no gift in my son passing. The gift came in who I became after his passing. And I have to say, I have a better relationship with him on the other side than I do when he was here. And I spend more time with him than I do with his siblings. So, you know, it's and, and he has been great for me, believe me. He's downloaded all my books to me. He's given me so much. And But it's about you going, right, what is the gift in what has happened? And sure, we can all concentrate on the negative and the sadness and, and how horrible it is and, and how these feelings keep coming up But because we don't know how to heal the feelings, but we do when we do go through a process. And that's what it's about. It's about finding that better way, but making sure that you, at the end of the day, well, at the beginning of your life and at the end of the life, you are the only person Yes, you are going to spend your entire life with. There is no one else you spend 24-7 with. So why is it that we deflect and we give up on our hopes, dreams and aspirations? We, you know, we run around looking after everyone else, but we're not living our life. And at the end of the day, you are the one that came in alone and you are the one that will leave alone. So it is important that you make sure that you live your life to the best of your ability and leave in this place a little bit better than the way you found it. And that's what I feel um, my life is all about now, which is why I wake up every day excited about what I'm doing. I think that's a fantastic story. Um, and I think I'm hoping everyone will be influenced on this and this is why it's so important for me to get 
people such as yourself and even myself and other people that we've had on the podcast who have found this out and have survived it and thrived in it because I think so often it's like both you and me, we had what we should have had, but neither of us were happy in that. And then it took, you know, different events, but and but this deep inner knowing and somewhere in there was this these women who who wanted to get out and say, hey, look after me, like you look after everybody else. And I think that's so important because you can't look after anybody. And another gift, Sam, the best gift at all is you start to look younger. You start. <laughs> I look so much younger. Someone said to me, oh my, I have, I have my, two, my 2007 and my 2017 passport photos. I look 10 years older in the 07 one than I do in the 17 one. So, and it's because you're living and you're loving your life and every cell in your body becomes vibrant and it's alive. And, you know, when you are doing something where you are in dread and you're not there, your body will become diseased. You you cannot thrive. Your body cannot thrive in the density of a lot of what the world is in and it's about you understanding like how can I make my life a little bit better and then in doing so you will just automatically make someone else's life a little bit better you know every single one of of my relationships has improved and and like you I, I I don't know when you stopped drinking but I stopped drinking at the end of 2018 and I just was, it was for one year. I said, I'll just make 2019 my alcohol for a year. And I did it so easily that at the end of it, I said, well, you know, everyone was like, well, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I haven't missed it. I don't crave it. I, all my relationships have improved because I'm not drinking. So. And my hormones are better and all of that stuff comes along. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, yeah. Exactly. So here I am, you know, three and a half years later, because it was at the end of 2018, I, you know, I know that alcohol is no longer a part of my life. And I also, you know, am grateful for that. No wonder I look younger. Oh, yeah. If I had to pick one thing, if I had to, everyone says, you know, there's a whole lot of things that, you know, I've done a whole lot of very simple, small consistent steps. But the one thing that I'm most proud of, because I was and I, I was an alcoholic. I'm not now. I've got different ex- like now, like Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But but is that because it was <laughs> so entrenched in my family, my culture, my business, my everything. It took a long time to get there. But when it switched, it switched. I haven't had a drink since um, the 9th of December 2016. So um, Very good. like you at towards the end of the year, always do my big changes before Christmas. Crazy, but yeah, there's reasons. And if I had to pick one thing, that then rolled the rest it was that and now that I understand and drink or don't drink it's completely up to you but it is poison and it does it does you know it's hard no one's saying it's easy but it was if I had to think one thing that's one thing I'm most proudest of that um I gave up alcohol and I don't drink well don't drink alcohol I do drink water yeah, I say that too because people go, oh, she doesn't drink. And I go, well, I do. I drink tea. And Sparkling water. Yeah. Yeah, I drink do not, yeah. and all those sort of things. I'm, you know, there's so much, there's a whole non-alcoholic thing going on, but it's still commercialised and it's still, you know, whatever you get. I mean, if alcohol, I don't want to get into the alcohol thing too much, but if alcohol came on the market now, it wouldn't, it would be a drug. 
and it is in our culture and it is all that sort of stuff. And the interesting thing about alcohol than any of the others is cigarettes have been made the enemy. Yeah. But alcohol never has been. So if you're an alcoholic, it's your fault, not the thing. Whether you're a smoker, it's the evil thing. So the shame involved in it and everything. And it is something that you see all the time. But yeah. anyhow, that was just a, a bit of an aside for both of us there. So if you had to give what I like to leave people with, because I'm a big believer in making small changes over time, because we have, both of us will say for sure, is that this is a long process of little things that are built to big things. And I'll just go to the young thing as well. You know, someone asked me, you know, what I've done to my face and and all of this sort of stuff and how much product I use. I use none. I just use a little bit of uh, cleanser at times and I very rarely wear um, a lot of makeup these days. But it saved me a whole heap of money as well. It does, doesn't it? It really does. Um, and, and the alcohol too, you know, make up for it by, of course, having my obsession with horses. But that's another thing. So if you had to give somebody, they're just listening and going, well, I really want to start looking into, into my lost intelligence. You know, what could be the one or two things I could either do? One, can I have two things? One, to do with myself. And two, maybe to do safely with my team, just small things. Okay. So the first thing, obviously, and thank you for leading into it, is to demystifying loss. That is my book that I um, has become an international bestseller. I I go into loss. I deep dive into many of the forty different types of losses. Um, and, but more importantly, I'll show you the more loving way to move through loss. For you individually, I feel that the but the first thing that you can start to do is start to put yourself first, and it's not easy. It just just start off small. Maybe start off with a gratitude journal. Start off with, you know what, one of my best little rituals is to sing a love song to myself whilst listening to it, obviously someone singing, and whilst looking in the mirror. Ooh, that is so confronting. Initially it's confronting, but then eventually, and, you know, I do it at least three, four times a week, and I will still cry because every now and then you will just really deep dive into your soul. And one of my favourite songs to do it to is Jason Mraz's I Won't Give Up. And it even starts out as I look into your eyes in the beginning of the song. It's such an amazing song and you really can feel that, you know, you're not going to give up on who you are. And that's, and that's the, and obviously she's singing it to a girl, but it's when you start singing it to yourself, male or um, female, it really does. From a works perspective, start to understand loss because the more you deep dive into loss and you, and you start to bring it into the workplace as a well-being program, not only will you be able to manage your own loss events, but you'll be able to assist others because loss is affecting you. You're, you know, no matter how big or small the loss is, your employees will go through multiple different losses throughout their life. And more than likely, you're not aware of it because a lot of people will do it in isolation. They'll suffer in silence. Sure, you'll know about a death of a loved one, but you may not know about, you know, someone being sick or, you know, all these other different things that are that have changed their life and changed who they are. And but the more you understand, you'll you can really see that you know your sick leave will increase when this happens. Your presenteeism will increase. Your absenteeism will increase. But when you ask the questions and you deep dive into and you understand loss, you really will create a workplace where everyone is working at their best. 
everyone is understanding each other, they're valuing each other whilst they are providing the best possible customer experience and returns to the company. It all ties in together. As you said earlier, Sam, we are all of us. You know, no matter where we are in our life, we bring it with us all the time. We can't leave, you know, nine-tenths of us at the door as we um, come in each day. As much as all of our bosses would love us to do that, and I was one of them. I was me. one of them too. There's one thing I could take back. <laughs> why, uh, why Why? do they have to take a lunch break? You know, like seriously. Unbelievable. <laughs> why do they only have to cry in my room with mine? <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, so understanding loss, and, and that's why I've developed my programs, you know, to come into the workplace to help people to easily understand it. And the, and the first step is the you factor because the more you understand you, the more you can understand other people. Absolutely. Mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually. And your body does talk to you. Your emotions Constantly. talk to you. Unfortunately, we're all listening to the little bitty shitty committee up here, which is not always our best friend. Sorry for those listening on audio, we're pointing to a head. Yeah. Um, the head's only a very small part of your body. Um, That's right. And sometimes not the most intelligent part either. By no. Mm. As they say, the, the longest journey you can ever take is that eight inches from your head to your heart. Yep. And unfortunately, most people don't take it. Cool. Well, I think that's a fantastic place. So we'll put links down the bottom in the show notes to, to your books, to your website and, and where people can buy them. I would strongly recommend that. Thank you, Karen, so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much, Sam. Can't believe time's gone so quickly. I know. And everybody else, as always, be brave and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for your time. We work super hard on this podcast and are passionate about helping expert entrepreneurs build businesses without overwhelm. To help us, can you please leave a review if you loved it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform?